This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. Man, it's good to see you guys today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor here in New Life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide our journey together for the rest of the morning. A couple of things that will help you on this journey is if you grab out of your programs this card that says Start Here. It's a connection card, and it's simply a way that helps us connect with you, and, and should you desire, will help you connect with the church. And ultimately, more than anything else, this is simply a tool because as a church, we exist and we crave and we desire to, to help you connect with God. And so at some point in your journey, we're hoping that you're going to want to connect with God and Man, we would so much love to be the church that helps you connect with God. So if you fill this card out, then when the time comes, we know how to help you connect in the ways you want to be connected. So go ahead and get that card filled out, and we'll tell you what to do with it a little bit later on this morning. You're also going to want to grab your teaching notes because they'll give you the, the Bible verses that we'll be looking at today and some fill-in-the-blanks, and, and they'll give you some space so you can write down your own thoughts and your own questions that come up so that you can take what we're exploring today and you can continue to look at it throughout the week. And as you grab your connection card and as you, as you grab your teaching notes, I want you to, to imagine with me for a moment that you're walking down the street. Maybe you're in downtown Petaluma and you run into an old friend and you begin to reconnect with this friend and and your friend starts to tell you about a man that's been previously unknown to you. And then you walk on and you keep walking and you keep hearing other people talking about this man and, and you've never actually heard of him before and yet everyone seems to be talking about him. In fact, billions of people are talking about this one man, but, but their opinions vary. Some people talk about this man like they know him, like he's a close personal friend, like they've got a relationship with him. Others talk about him like he's a legend, like Zeus or Apollos. Still other people talk about him like he's a fairy tale, along with the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. And no one can really agree about what he looks like. Some say he's too tall. Others say he's too short. Some say he's, he's too wide. Others too thin. Some people say he's black, some white, some Middle Eastern or Asian or Latino. Some people accuse this man of being a prude and of being a bore and someone who you would never want to hang out with if you ever want to have any kind of fun. And then other people acclaim him of being, accuse him of being a partier and a drunk who hangs out with lying men and loose women all the time. Some people say he's wise. Some people say he's crazy. Some people call him the most loving, compassionate person that they've ever met. And still other people say that he is hateful and bigoted. Some people orient their whole lives around this man, while other people don't seem to pay any attention to him at all. But one thing is for sure, everyone has an opinion about this man. Now, if you were walking down the street and you heard about this man, wouldn't you want to get to know him? Wouldn't you be intrigued? If nothing else, the fact that so many people have so many differing opinions about him, wouldn't that intrigue you? Wouldn't you want to discover the truth about this man for yourself? Well, the man that I'm talking about is Jesus. And today we're starting a new series that we're calling Jesus Is. And it's all about this man because who Jesus is is probably the biggest question in the history of the world. And I'm so excited because we all have opinions 
about who Jesus is. We all have ideas about who Jesus is. And today what I want to do is I want to start our series by cracking a door open to that question. And then we're going to spend the next weeks and months moving forward exploring what we find when we crack the door open. And here's what that means. If you're, if you're new to New Life, we basically, when we take a series, we take a topic or a person or a character and we look at them from all different angles and try to, to get the most out of, of studying and exploring this person's life. And when we start off a series, it's, it's basically a teaser. So if you leave today thinking, I've got more questions than I do answers. He didn't do a very good job wrapping that up and buttoning it up for me at the end. Good, I've done my job. See, we're talking more like slow cooking than microwaving, okay? Um, nobody, nobody wants this Thanksgiving, nobody wants to microwave your turkey. You want to slow cook your turkey. You want to you baste that turkey. It's all about that baste. You want to you baste that turkey. Oh, you saw that on Facebook. Okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. You want to smell that turkey so that when you dig into that first bite of that turkey, oh, it is so, so good. And see, that's what we do when we have a series. We, we crack the door open and then we slow cook it so that when we get to the end of it, oh, it is so, so good. That's what we're going to do with this question. Who is Jesus? See, more books have been written about Jesus than any other person on the earth. You can go literally anywhere around the world. I've traveled from one side of the world to the other, and, and almost everybody talks about Jesus. Almost everybody has an opinion about Jesus. Almost everybody has thoughts about Jesus. He has impacted the world over the last 2,000 years, arguably more than any other person who's ever lived. I don't know about you, but I grew up wakeboarding, and I love, I love water skiing and wakeboarding and water sports. And I remember as a teenager, the first time I jumped the wake in my parents' boat, and I was, I was down on my wakeboard, and I launched up, and I jumped over the wake, and I cleared, and it felt like such an accomplishment. So I looked back, and I realized the wake was only about that wide, you know, because the boat was small, and when the boat's small, the wake is small. But then a few years later, I had the opportunity to go on uh, the world's largest cruise ship at that time, and I went to the back of the cruise ship, and I looked over the edge. Picture Titanic. I looked over the edge, and I saw all these engines making this massive wake. And I realized the bigger the boat, oftentimes the bigger the wake. And you can tell the size of the boat by the wake that it leaves behind. And historians say the same is true for a person's life. You can tell the impact and the, um, the, the, the gravity of a person's life based on the wake that they leave behind. And based on that test, Jesus stands alone as the single most impactful person who has ever walked the face of the earth. Roughly 2.2 billion people claim to know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, talk about him like a friend. Our calendar is split based on his birth. Listen, Jesus is so important. Have you ever thought about this? That we even use his name as a cuss word. Just go with me for a second. Imagine you're, you're golfing one morning and you're on a foursome and there's a businessman in this foursome with you and he's had a few Bloody Marys to start the morning off for his eight o'clock tea time and you can tell he's got a bit of a short fuse and so you get to the, the third green and he, he tees up and he shanks it and imagine him screaming in his anger as he, as he throws his golf club, Mahatma Gandhi! doesn't really have the same impact. Why? Why? Because as 
as impactful as Gandhi's life was, and it was truly impactful, it doesn't hold a candle to the flame of the impact that is Jesus. Jesus is probably the most controversial person who has ever lived. Governments separate politically based on their view of Jesus. Families separate based on their view of Jesus. What are the things we don't talk about at the table? We don't talk religion and we don't talk politics. Well, that's because Jesus is a polarizing character. And in this series, we're going to explore who Jesus is, who he claimed to be, and my hope would be that that the more we get to know him, we would, we would begin to trust him. And the more we trust him, we would actually begin to fall in love with him. And the more we fall in love with him, the more we would want to follow him. Because here's what I know about you, because you and I aren't that different. We'll never follow someone we don't trust, and we'll never trust someone we don't know. So the starting point is to get to know someone. And my, my, my great hope for you, the thing I've been praying for you as I've been preparing this series, is that you and I would get to know Jesus like we never have before, and that we would begin to trust Jesus. And as we trust him, we'll love him. And, and as we get to love him, we'll want to follow him. And as we follow him, we will experience the life that he created us to live. And again, today we just crack the door open. And if you leave with more questions than answers, that's good. We've done our job. Come back next week. So what do we know about Jesus? Because because we all probably have some sort of idea or preconceived notion about Jesus. Here's what I want us to do as we continue. I want you just for a second, if you trust me, and I promise there are no hidden cameras, we're not going to drop water, but just for a second, would you just close your eyes and to the best of your ability, picture Jesus. When When you hear that name, what comes to your mind's eye? Just try to picture Jesus to the best of your ability if you can. When you hear that name, when you hear that word, what comes, comes to your mind? And as you do, you can open your eyes back up. See, when I picture Jesus, I picture what I call 31 flavors Jesus. I grew up in Southern California, and one of my favorite things to do on a hot summer night was go with my parents down to the local 31 Flavors ice cream joint. And right next to 31 Flavors, there was a nail salon. And in the window of the nail salon, there was, there was a picture of Jesus holding a lamb. And he had this this kind of soft, brown, flowing hair, almost looked like he had, he had had it straightened, and he was, he was holding a lamb, and, and I thought that was very cute because I grew up in Southern California. But listen, lambs are disgusting. They are disgusting animals. But he was holding a sanitized lamb. It was very nice. They just are. I'm not trying to be—it really has no bearing except that they're, they're gross. Whatever. Jesus is holding this lamb, and he has very—when uh, the, when the streetlight hits him— I remember he had very, like, feminine features, almost like he had some blush on his cheeks, and he had, he had cheekbones that, that the ladies would kill for. Uh, Jesus, if you were a product of the 70s, you can think of Robin Gibb holding a lamb. That's what Jesus looked like. <laughs> if you're a product of the 90s, just think Hanson, any member of Hanson, that holding a lamb. And that was my picture of Jesus growing up. And the more I've come to know Jesus, the more he's begun to shape who he is, because who Jesus is really is a defining factor in our lives, whether we believe it or not. So I want to ask, when you think about Jesus, what do you picture? And my guess is if you're like me, if you're like most of us, when we picture Jesus, he looks a lot like us. He thinks a lot like, like we think. He talks a lot like we talk. I, I, I find humor humorous. And so when I read about Jesus, I see him being funny because I, I, I'm funny. That was funny. 
When you picture Jesus in your mind's eye, just think for a second. My guess is he probably has the same political leanings that you have. He probably has the same general ethical boundaries that you do. So whatever you think is inbounds, your Jesus probably thinks is inbounds. And whatever you think is out of bounds, your Jesus probably thinks is, is out of bounds. I heard a quote one time that has always stuck with me. It says that God made us in his image, and we've been returning the favor ever since. <laughs> that God made us like him, and now we, in turn, go back and we make him like us. So what do we know about Jesus? Well, one thing we don't really know is, is exactly what he looked like. So as much as you would like to, and you might think it'd be helpful, I, don't, I can't give you the answer to that question. The the four main sources we have about Jesus' life are four biographies. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We find them in the Bible. If you were raised in the church, you probably know them as the Gospels. Uh, Matthew and John were written by two guys who spent time walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus and learning from Jesus. And, and Mark and Luke were written by two guys who spent time interviewing the people who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and, and listened to Jesus and learned from Jesus. And they don't actually give us much insight into what Jesus looked like. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, they leave out about nine-tenths of Jesus' life. And they don't do it on accident. They're very intentional about it. See, see, the whole purpose of these four biographies is to, is to answer two questions. And these two questions are going to form the basis of our exploration for the next weeks and months ahead. These two questions are this. Who was Jesus? Those four biographies want to tell us who Jesus was. And the second question is, what did Jesus come to do? So for the next number of weeks, we're going to look at these four biographies of Jesus' life that were written by eyewitnesses, people who were with him, who walked with him and talked with him and learned from him. And we're going to hear what Jesus said about himself, because a good starting place is not what we think Jesus is, but who Jesus says he is. So we're going to look at his claims about himself, and then after today, we're going to go way back to the beginning of Jesus' life and ask ourselves this question. Do his actions, do his teachings, do the places he go and the people he hung out with, do they match up with his claims about himself? Because Matthew and Mark and Luke and John are in complete agreement about this one topic, who Jesus was and what he came to do. What I want to do today as we kick off our exploration in this series is I want to look at one of those biographies, the book of John, and and it's written by one of Jesus' closest friends. And I want to look at an interaction that Jesus has with another one of his closest friends called one of his disciples. Because the exchange that they have gives us insight into these two questions. Jesus himself tells us who he is, who he claims to be, and what he came to do. But I want to I want to pull over to the side of the road for a second before we dig into that, because I want to talk to two groups of us who are here today. The first of those of us who are going to hear what Jesus says about himself, and we're immediately going to say, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I think that's true. And I want to tell you, that's okay. That's okay. This is the beginning of the exploration. If you don't believe that's true, this is the perfect place for you to explore whether or not what he says about himself is actually true. You owe it to yourself to answer this question in your mind once and for all. So if you're here and you think, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if I'll buy into that. I don't know if I'm going to sign on the line. I don't think I can do that today. That's great. Come back and see if his claims hold water. And the second group, and, and these are those of us who maybe make up a little more of this of this group today, and we're the ones who are actually in a little more danger. It's those of us who, who think, I already know 
who Jesus is, and I already believe what he said about himself. And the challenge for those of us who find ourselves in that category is simply this, to put away our preconceived notions of who we think Jesus is and allow Jesus to define himself on his terms and then ask ourselves this question, do I like Jesus the way that he says he is, not so much the way that I say he is? Because you might find out in the course of this series that your Jesus looks a lot like Hanson mbopping his way through ancient Jerusalem, and that's not at all the God of the Bible. So the question is, do I believe that Jesus is who he said he is, on his terms. And the challenge for those of us who were raised in a church tradition is to let go of our preconceived ideas. He looks like me, thinks like me, same political persuasion, same general socioeconomic status, and invite Jesus to tell us who he is on his terms. That said, here's the story we're going to explore today. It comes from the book of John verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 6. And this is Jesus having this interaction with one of his followers, and, and John wrote this down. Jesus is talking to this group, and he answered and said to them, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip, one of his closest friends, a guy who had spent his, his, uh, his entire ministry with Jesus, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered him, and I, I picture Jesus with, with some sadness and frustration in his face. In verse 9, he answered and said, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And so we're going we're to take his claims today, and then we're going to look back on the evidence of the work themselves to see if we can believe that Jesus is who we claimed to be. So I want to talk today about three bold claims of Jesus. And again, if you're here and you don't believe this right now, that is fine. You owe it to yourself to explore what Jesus said about himself. None of us started believing something before we did the research to find it out. So take a look. So here are Jesus' bold claims, and I'll warn you, they are bold. His first one is this. Jesus claimed to be uniquely God in the flesh. He claimed to be uniquely God in the flesh. In verse 10, and in other places throughout this passage, he says the phrase, I am he says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And any Jewish person who heard that phrase, I am, and remember, Jesus chose to be born as a Jewish person in a Jewish context. Anyone who heard that phrase, I am, would immediately begin to think, wait a minute, I am. I know that phrase. That's the phrase that God used about himself. See, way back in the Old Testament of the Bible, God was talking to a man named Moses, and he said, Moses, I'm going to have you lead my people to freedom. And Moses said, well, who should I tell the people that you are God? And God said, tell the people, I am who I am. My name is I am. And anytime Jesus took that phrase, what he's saying is, you know how God the Father said, I am who I am? Jesus said, I am the same I am that he 
is. Sometimes I'll talk to folks and they'll ask me great questions. They'll say, they'll say, Kevin, I believe Jesus was a great teacher. I just don't believe that he was God. And I'll say, well, wh- why? Why don't you believe that? If you think he's a great teacher, why don't you believe that? And I'll say, well, he never claimed to be God. And I'll take him to John 14. I'll say, yes, he did. He claimed. He said, I am. I am. I am God. I am in God. I am uniquely God. And then I'll say, and I'll say this to my friends as we're having this dialogue. I'll say, anyone who claims to be God and isn't is not a great teacher. They are insane. Okay? So either he is a great teacher who is God, or he is insane, and you should not be close to an insane person, or you will become insane. So not only did Jesus claim to be uniquely God, which is a hugely bold claim about himself, he also claimed that he was the only path that leads us to having a relationship with God. And that's the second bold claim, the only path that leads us to a relationship with God. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Now just let that, the weight of that sit with you for a minute. Not only did Jesus claim to be uniquely God, but he himself said, I'm not only uniquely God, I am the only way to knowing God. No one can come to God except by coming through me. That's a very exclusive claim. But have you ever, have you ever flipped the switch and realized that's also an incredibly inclusive claim? Jesus said, anyone who comes to me can know God. Anyone. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you've done it with, or when the last time you did it was doesn't matter what your race is, your gender, your socioeconomic status. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you've come from. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me can come to God. And here's what I love about Jesus. And here's why he keeps me coming back. And here's why I hope he'll keep you coming back. Jesus claims about himself is at the same time the most exclusive and the most inclusive claim that anyone has ever made about God. No one can come to God except through me. Everyone can come to God through me. Jesus is unique in that he says everyone, anyone, no matter what, can come to God through him. That's one of the greatest claims that anyone has ever made. It's both the most exclusive and inclusive claim in the history of any religious system. So Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. He claimed to be the only way to God, that everyone can come to God through him. And finally, Jesus claimed to reveal God to us. Verse 7 says, If you really knew me, Jesus said, then you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen my Father. Jesus' bold claim is that he didn't come to tell us about God. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good Old Testament um, expositor. Jesus said, I don't want to just tell you about God. Jesus claimed to show us God. He said, if you want to know what God loves, look at me. If you want to know what God hates, 
look at me. If you want to know who God spends time with, look at me. If you want to know what God cares about, Jesus says, look at me. If you want to know God, Jesus says, look at me. That's why answering that question, who is Jesus, is literally the most important question we could ever answer with our lives. And friends, as as your pastor and as your friend, I have been praying for this day and for this series for months now because I desperately, I desperately want you to know God because I believe that when you get to know Jesus, you will begin to trust Jesus. And I, I don't just want you to know God. I want you to fall in love with God. And I want you to enjoy the life that God created you to live, a life of having a relationship with your heavenly Father, where God's not some distant deity out there with a list of rules and regulations, but he's a, like a perfect heavenly Father who lives with you in relationship with you, guiding you in your life. Because I believe to my core, and we believe as a church to our core, that God loves you and that God has a plan for your life. And if I could give you one gift as we head into this holiday season and as we head into 2015, it would be, it would be simply that that you'd be able to answer that question, who is Jesus? And what kind of impact does he have on my life? Just imagine walking down a street and billions of people are talking about this one man who has changed history forever. Don't you owe it to yourself to answer that question, who is Jesus? And what does he say about himself? So I guess my question for you is simply this, do you want to know God? Are you open to getting to know him? If the answer is yes, get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Remember, we're starting with the end in mind, and we're going to go way back to the beginning starting next week. We're going to spend the next four Sundays leading up to Christmas talking about Jesus' birth and asking this simple question, what does Jesus' birth tell us about God? Because Jesus is the only person who's ever gotten to choose when he was born, where he was born, to whom he was born, in what socioeconomic climate he was born. He's the only person who could look at his parents and say, I chose you. I chose you. And Jesus was intentional about his birth, and his birth shows us something about God. And so here's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus in his birth shows us that God gives birth to dreams. I believe that Christmas, as we explore Jesus' birth, should be the most hopeful, exciting, um, big, dream-orienting time of the year. But for many of us, it's a time of of sadness and frustration and despair. But that's not what God wants for us. So next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus' birth and what he did there and the narrative of that gives birth to new dreams. And I'm going to share with you a story about uh, a close friend who I just got off the phone with yesterday who had a life— altering incident happened to him a week ago, and it changed his dreams. But what he said to me yesterday was, Kevin, God, God is birthing a new dream in me right now. In the midst of the most dire circumstances, God is birthing a new dream in him. And if you're here and you say, you know what, I, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels and I'm never dreaming, you've got to be here next week. And then the next week, we're going to talk about how God loves humble beginnings. Jesus' birth shows us that God loves humble beginnings. And then the next week, we're going to talk about how God loves a good underdog story. If you've ever felt like an underdog, or if you've ever cheered for the underdog in a movie, it's because God loves the underdog. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how how at Christmas, Jesus showed us that God gives us an all-access pass to himself. We're talking backstage, up on stage, crowd surfing, all-access pass to God. And then we're going to have one of the most fun Christmas Eve services. I cannot wait. 
I can't even tell you all the surprises we're going to have. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. It'll be on the 23rd and the 24th. We'll give you all sorts of information about that. But I wondered, would you consider coming back and, and exploring Jesus' claims about himself for the next month and then heading into 2015? And I also wonder, I believe some of us have friends who, who we've talked about church before, and they've got questions about who Jesus is, and they've got questions um, about what Christmas says about God. I believe you, if you have some friends that have been asking those questions or sniffing around, that this coming series is the perfect time to invite your friends. We're going to explore this topic with humor and excitement and joy, and your friends will love it. And I believe that they will get to know God a little more if you invite them. So I would invite you, invite your friends to come and this Christmas holiday. It's the perfect time to invite some folks to come to church. And then each week in the series, I'm going to do uh, what I'm, what I'm going to talk to you about right now, which is simply this. I'm going to invite anyone in this room who has never started a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Because many of us view God as some distant deity out there who set the world in motion and is just kind of watching things happen. But God doesn't want to be a distant deity out there. He wants to be like a personal heavenly father who lives right here with you. And Jesus opened the door for us to have a relationship with God, our heavenly father. And here's how he did it. Jesus left heaven and came to earth. We're going to explore that for the next month. He lived a perfect life. And then he gave his life freely on a cross, which we celebrated at communion, to pay the penalty for our sin. And if you're new to, to faith, new to Christianity, sin is simply this. It's the things that, that we think, think and the things that we say and the things that we do that are hurting us. And I don't have to tell you what your sin is because you lay in bed and you know it's hurting you. Or it's hurting the people closest to you. And ultimately, sin has separated us from God. And when Jesus gave his life on a cross, he paid the penalty for our sins so that we didn't have to be separated from God, but we could be forgiven by God. It is the greatest Christmas present that anyone ever gave. And it's a present that is sitting out here waiting for you to unwrap it. And I want to ask you today, are you ready to unwrap that present? Are you ready to open your life up to God and, and take the most exclusive and inclusive claim for yourself? which is that anyone who knows Jesus can have a relationship with God. If you're ready to make that decision, we're going to pray in just a second, and I'll give you some time where I'll invite you to repeat a prayer after me, either whispering it or saying it in your head and meaning it with everything in you, to make a commitment to God, to start this journey with him. But before we do that, I want to pray for all of us as we begin this series, Jesus Is. So would you close your eyes and join me as we pray? Holy Spirit, my request for our community is simple. Would you help us to come to know you more? Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us? I know that you don't want to be hidden. I, don't, I know that you don't want to be, to be veiled in secrecy and questions, but that you want to actually open the door for us to know you. And so God, as we dig into this series, would you help us to know you? Would you help us to know God as we look at you? God, as we, as we dig into this, for those of us who are brand new to exploring Christianity, I pray that you would give us uh, great insight, great time of discovery, great time of excitement as we, as we get to know you more. And for those of us who were raised uh, in a Christian context, going to church our whole lives, Lord, I pray that you would give us a renewed excitement and a renewed vision as we look at you on your terms and we accept you on your terms, Jesus. Would you be guiding and transforming our community, Lord, helping us to be the men and women that you created for us to be as we take this journey together into this holiday season and then into 2015. 
as we continue to pray, if you're here and you're ready to start a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to tell you it is the best choice you could ever make because God, God loves you with a deep, deep love. He could not love you more than he does right now, and he has been waiting for this moment to invite you to have a relationship with him. And so if you're ready to make that decision, you can repeat these words after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that, that you love me so much that you left heaven and came to earth, that you lived a perfect life, and that you gave your life on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And today I say yes. Yes, I want this gift that you're offering. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you, would you come into my life, Lord? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk in a relationship with you every day from today forward, even as I walk into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.